Hello, hello, and welcome to Tea and Nuggets. I'm your podcast host, MJ Hayes, and I thank you for joining me as I spill my tea and talk about knowledge nuggets that I've picked up that hopefully will help you as you continue navigating this thing called life. Hey, 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 welcome Tea and Nuggets fam. It's your girl, MJ Hayes, and we are here for another session to talk tea and drop some knowledge nuggets. Uh, One thing I want to talk about today and just frame our conversation around is struggle love. So uh, recently you had um, the minister, uh, I believe, Gray, Reverend Gray, or something of that nature. I need to do my research. But a clip was going around over Instagram about him talking about the role of his wife in essentially birthing him into his manhood and how he was saying that with her, he was bringing her more grief and pain and struggle than their two children because he wasn't fully prepared to take on the role of a husband and father and true man and leader of their households and how she stuck through that with him and poured into him and developed him and grew him into those roles so that he could eventually take that over. Um, I had a conversation with some of my girls, some of my close friends um, who are also some of my sisters in Christ about this recently. And uh, we collectively agreed that this perpetuation of struggle love is getting out of hand. Another example uh, that I want to look at when we're talking about struggle love, and I'll get into just kind of defining what struggle love is, is the recent engagement of Kim Bella to Jewel Santana. Um, The two of them have been together for, I believe, almost 10 years. Uh, They share at least two children together. Um, In the history of their relationship, there have been instances of domestic abuse. And it is reported that he will be serving time in prison this upcoming December, and they were just engaged recently here. And he'll be, uh, the time that he's serving, I believe, is at least at a minimum five to 10 years. So that's another space where it's been conversation around that, like, okay, you have been together for almost 10 years and you're just now getting engaged. And she was saying that, you know what, when it's worth it, you will wait and and endure. And honestly, y'all, I'm just not feeling that at all. I'm just not. I'm not feeling the Kim Bella and Jewel situation, and I'm also not feeling this Reverend Gray situation. Because although I know that love is love is hard, I will say that. You will experience a number of things in loving a person. You will experience some pain. You will experience some trepidation. You will experience some levels of vulnerability that make you have to peel back layers of yourself um, so that you can truly understand and be able to connect with another person that you love and allow them an opening to love you the way you need to be loved. But I don't believe that love should start out as a struggle. I don't believe that women should be raising grown men. I don't believe that women should be subject to Uh, domestic abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, um, in order to experience that love light at the end of the tunnel eventually. 
And I feel like these messages that are coming across with um, Reverend Gray and also Kim Bella, I feel like these messages are being put out here because both of them are using their respective platforms where they have a significant amount of visibility. I feel like these messages are being put out here for women in their respective audiences to think that what they're experiencing, constantly getting that short end of the stick, constantly having to build themselves up with self-love because no one is there to pour into them. No one is there to support them emotionally. No one is there to just love them unconditionally putting that message out there and saying that's okay like that's just a part of being in love and ultimately earning that love where you can be respected I feel like that's a message being put out there that is completely inaccurate and inappropriate because that keeps women in relationships and in situations first it puts them in situations that they have no business being in and it will keep them in situations much longer than they need to be in And to men, it's sending out a message that it's okay to show up to that relationship table and have nothing to give because this woman should be willing to sow into you while you have nothing to ultimately help you build. And I feel like that perpetuates a a thought in that men don't have any expectations on them in a relationship. They have no sense of accountability. Um, They should have no sense of responsibility as men in the relationship. And I think that's where women continue to encounter these full-grown boys, okay? Full-grown boys instead of full-grown men. These full-grown boys are constantly looking for validation. They're looking for someone to take care of them. They're looking for someone to guide them and be responsible for them. And also someone to blame in different instances to say, you know, well, it's because you didn't do enough of this that I'm in this situation. And I think that's a horrible message to put out there to these men who we want to look at as women, as the heads of our households, as, you know, the the leaders within our family, as a sense of stability uh, within our relationships. So those are just some of my initial thoughts about that and that struggle love or that love that is conditional upon you being able to pour as much as you can into your partner before they are able to pour into you. I feel like it is absolutely ridiculous. America, And that comes from a strong conservative voice like K. Cole James. Uh, or you, it comes from a Condi Rice. These are conservatives. And yet, as black conservatives, they are attacked uh, or belittled at Fox. And it makes it very hard. I think it's about, I think part of our emphasis has to be that we understand and can show empathy uh, for people um, and not necessarily attack and think that's just going to you know, stir our audience, because in fact, rather than seeing the audience at that lower level, I think we can cater, not pander, you know, and say, here, here's experiences of life that you may not be aware of, but we need to be that kind of emotionally, sensibly open, um, rather than simply an attack mode. Thank you, Juan. Thank you. You're on mute, Marcia. Technology never wants when you want it to. Alrighty. Thank you, Juan, for that. Anyone else? Just thoughts. Marcia, I would like to say something. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, okay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. 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 Good mor
morning, everyone. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I really got a lot out of the Noir Forum. Marcia, I thank you so much for sharing your story, your feelings, your life. Um, I think that you and Terry did a magnificent job um, at bringing people together and making a, a space for everyone at a time when we need it the most. Um, black, white, brown, whatever color, I think it's very important that we listen to each other's stories. There's stories that were shared that were very personal, personal and people had an opportunity to be vulnerable, to feel safe within the Fox family, to, to have another link in that strong chain that we have together. And for me, it just brought a lot of pride for being a part of this company and a part of that group. Um, I also think that it brings to mind the importance of having a diversity and inclusion council. I'm very proud to be a part of that. Um, and I think that we just need to continue to be there for one another and really listen. Listen to what each other has to say. And I think that will lead us to what we need to do in our programming and our culture within within Fox. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Anyone else? Are you just asking people who, who, who spoke last week or do you want to talk with, with anybody? No, anyone. Anyone. Why, why don't we do this to start? Um, I think Marcella was wanting to get feedback on um, anybody who attended the event. But from here, I'd like to pass it off to, because we do want to hear literally from everyone on this call, Lauren. So, I mean, you'll be, everybody will be um, represented. Um, but I, next, what I just would like to bring in, before we go, I go through uh, the names of everybody who's joining us, I just wanted to bring in quickly Adonis Hoffman, who works with us on initiatives and who's been a very important voice and friend to me and to, to the network helpful if you have any pearls of wisdom before we get really going with this um, that you could share with all of us thanks good morning you're a little broken up but we can hear you hey, I'll do my best uh, I am uh, I'm a member of the extended Fox family so uh, I appreciate being uh, included in all of this my um, <clears throat> My observation is that I work with a number of uh, corporate leaders throughout the country, different, different uh, corporations, primarily in the media, but in the technology space as well. And this conversation, this kind of conversation is happening all throughout the country. I think it is extremely important and significant that Fox is internally, that we're having this discussion. Whatever happens after, you know, that, that's what happens after. But for now, for us to have this discussion right here, right now, uh, is significant. And it, it sends a signal to those outside the Fox uh, family that uh, we care and that this is important enough for top leadership to convene this kind of conversation. And, so, and the final, uh, final point I'll, I'll share, Suzanne, is that um, this is just the first step. Obviously, we're at a seminal moment in, in American history, and we're not, this is not the, uh, a one-week story. It's not a two-week story. It's a continuum. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's good to start, but it's really good to finish as well. And so glad that we can be here at the beginning, start this uh, discussion internally, and expand it externally beyond the coverage, of course, which has been absolutely phenomenal uh, compliance. I'll leave it there. Thank you, Adonis. I've been saying for months that we are in a transformational time, and I certainly think more than ever the last two weeks certainly uh, represent that. Um, but next I'd like to, and I'm going to just pick randomly after this, but I would like to start with Charles since um, he emailed me Saturday morning um, about uh, the graphic that was shown in the editorial and special report. And I just wanted to give him a chance to speak um, and share his thoughts and feelings about everything. 
Well, thank you very much, Suzanne, and good morning to everyone. Um, you know, honestly, my experience at, at Fox, so I guess you can almost say it echoes with almost every friend, black person I know, friend, relative, whatever, uh, experiences at their workplace, but perhaps a little bit more. So I call it death by a thousand cuts with an occasional sucker punch. And, uh, and, and what I mean by that uh, echoes something uh, what Juan was talking about with respect to empathy and attack mode. Now, listen, I know it's a business, and I know certain people generate a lot of money for the business, but everyone there is accountable. So if I'm a left field, one of the anchors attacks Nipsey Hussle for no reason, who was seen as an iconic, positive black man to people in my son's generation, I've got an answer to my son and his friends about that. And, and, and so it always comes back. We are always in, at least I can, uh, to a lot of people I've spoken to there, and of course myself, and in this bunker, in this bunker where, and the only thing that can make it right being there in the bunker is if we're allowed to truly express ourselves. And that's where the thousand cuts problem comes in. I have had so many problems at Fox Business over the years, and it's gotten dramatically better since Lauren's been there. But there's still a lot of lingering issues of double standards. And the double standards that have existed were, no, you can't have the, they said we couldn't have this guest, and then two hours later he's on, he or she is on Lou's show. Everyone sees that. Every one of my team knows there's a double standard. So how kind of respect I think I deserve as a professional, as an expert, as someone who works hard, I know nobody works harder than me. I know every morning when I send my team potential topics that's usually 15 pages long with stories, links, and charts that I've made myself, sometimes at 5 in the morning, sometimes at midnight. How can I get that respect if, it, if it's not echoed in the organization? So there's so many things that happen to me almost on a daily basis. They're not big and huge. No one would equate them to going to a Ku Klux Klan rally, but they're painful. They add up. Someone could argue they're racist. Someone could argue they're not. That's that that that's all semantic. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's it's unfair. It's an unjust business environment to work in, and it's not encouraging. Like I said, it's gotten better, a lot better, but it's lingering because it's a legacy culture. So you know, for me. In the past, I've, I've made many complaints. They, they've gone unanswered. They've fallen on deaf ears. I've pushed. I've been strong. I, you know, listen, I stand up for myself. And, and so I appreciate this call. And I know that there's certain things when you get to, to the really nitty gritty, you know, in, in finance, they talk about macro and, and macro and micro. You know, I know I'm going to be in my meetings and Everyone that night watched Game of Thrones, and I watched Godfather of Harlem. So I know there's going to be cultural things, right, that you know, we're not going to be able to talk about. Because I'm like, man, did you guys see Godfather of Harlem last night? But, but the fact of the matter is that I think a lot of people don't know what, the, what they're doing or how they treat others, the impact of this thing. And that, there should be some form of training or some sense of, hey, you know, you're, these death of a thousand cuts add up. They're going to create resentment. They're going to create anger. They're going to create frustration. And and there needs to be some form of training to teach everyone that and to remind them of that often. So, you know, and, and so this is where I hope this goes. Mm -hmm. That, that there's a sort of grand effort for introspection and, and improvement. Because a lot of people are walking around and they don't think that they're racist or that they do racist things, but whether you label that or not, and racist or not, the outcome is the same. Thank on you. top of having to live with the attacks on Nipsey Hussle or the attack mode stuff that Juan talked about, that we choose as adults. So you lose friends, you lose families, family members, someone puts on the family Facebook, golly, did you see what Fox did? I don't even get on it. <laughs> I don't even mess with it. 
it, it's just, it, but you know, when a, when a full screen goes out like that, I can't tell anybody in my family that was an accident. Because it's not the first time something like that has happened. I can't tell anybody in my family, well, Brett Bear, you know he's not like that. They don't want to hear it. I'm just, I'm hoping that this is a major turning point, and, and I appreciate the fact that, that, that uh, Suzanne, that you put this call together. So I'll, I'll see before I get to someone else. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much. Um, Lauren, I'll go to you next. Lauren Green, since you um, mentioned you'd like, you have something to say. Um, thank you so much, Suzanne, and I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate that you called this forum. And, um, and one thing I just, I do have to say is that the thing that happened in Minneapolis is personal to me and it hurt me, um, because that's my hometown. Um, George Floyd was killed four blocks from my elementary school. The target that they burned was the target that my mother got her medications from. My brother had to go to a target 60 miles outside of the Twin Cities just to get her needles for diabetic syringes and to take her out of her home because we feared that they were gonna start rioting in her neighborhood. This was real to me. And it hurt me because that's the neighborhood I grew up in. And the only person who called me to say, how's your family is Arthel. And I've worked for this company for 24 years. And I was in pain and angry and hurt and scared at what was happening in my own neighborhood. You know, my brother is the former head of the state parole board, pardoned by the governor because he spent some time in jail, but he worked himself up. He got degrees in education, he has a doctorate in education, and was the number one authority on determinate sentencing in Minnesota, and was offered a position in the Carter administration years ago, but nobody knows that, because everybody thinks they know my story, but they don't know that. In about an hour, I'm going to be doing a podcast with a man named Miroslav Wolf, who wrote a book that everybody should be reading called Exclusion and Embrace. And he wrote it in the 1990s about his experience as a, as a Croatian Catholic and the Croatian wars and the ethnic battles that clashed in them. He knows that he was a victim of ethnic identity. But he also knows now, because he's the head of the Yale Center for Divinity, that he's part of the white population. And he gets the difference. He understands that the, the seed of this sort of racial tension is this idea of identity and someone saying, exclude you when they actually think they know your story. You don't know my story. One of the things that people should be very careful of when they say, well, I don't see color. I said, you better damn well see my color. Yeah. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Except the rich history of who I am and what I have to offer. And that's just important. And I just, I just needed to say that because this has been very, very painful for me. And I just, that's all I have to say right now. Thank, Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I look forward to hearing your podcast. And it seems like you maybe would have a great piece to write for .com about that as well, if you were comfortable doing that. But I think, I think you're extraordinary. And I really thank you for your openness. And you mentioned Arthel, who I know Arthel's on, on this call. Um, do you want to expand on anything further or have your own point of view? Well, thank you, Suzanne, for bringing it together so we can express our feelings and concerns. Um, Lauren, you know I love you, and I'm very uh, concerned for your family. I know Lauren did not mention that her brother and his wife other relatives had to actually go to take Lauren's mother out of her home, take her away from the area. And I, for, for starters, I wasn't sure why Lauren wasn't included in the church. She is 
Minneapolis. She is Minnesota. So that's a, that's a place where we start. I think that sometimes people have certain ideas in mind of who should cover what or who can do what. You see that emotion that we just experienced from Lauren. Imagine if they had on the air, that's been displayed. And that's sort of, that's how you get our viewers to empathize and understand our story. If you have people there who they know and who they have come to trust uh, and like. Um, and so, you know, that's for starters. The, the graphic I felt was tone deaf. It's embarrassing. I think Charles alluded to how difficult sometimes it is for us to try to explain things to friends, to strangers, to anyone who, I mean, I have to tell you, and I'm, I've been part of this family since 1998. And I, there's so many things that I love about the Fox family, but there's so many things that make it tough love. Um, and due to the heightened rhetoric from, you know, some of our on-air personalities, and like Charles said, we get it, it's a business model, we have to understand that. But there have been times recently where I don't even tell people where I work. Because the people who follow me and have followed me over the past, I have convinced them uh, to come and trust me and trust my newscast when, when Eric and I are on. And they have, um, and, and you probably, if anybody watches us, we are best to bring voices to the table that wouldn't otherwise be heard. And my purpose for that is because I feel that if we viewers, and I understand the, the typical um, demographic of our audience, but if, if, if I can bring stories to them and show everyone as human beings, because that's the problem. If we don't see each other as human beings, then we don't see each other as human beings. So therefore, someone else is less than. And that's what this march is about. And that's what this movement is about, that people want to be recognized, respected, and treated with dignity as they carry themselves. Um, something that happened just this Saturday that I want to share with with, with y'all that uh, Bernard Carrick tweeted, Eric and me and Eric while we were in the air. And he says, watching at Eric Sean TV, at Arthel Neville on at Fox News, pr promoting hashtag Antifa and hashtag Black Lives Matter left-wing Marxist and communist propaganda that there is systematic racism, racism in policing. Why doesn't the media, media have the courage to challenge the rhetoric with real statistics, hashtag cowards? Well, I brought that to my immediate supervisor, uh, David Clark, and, I, and Eric agreed. I told him, I said, this is very concerning, considering who it came from. Because these are, you hear the word dog whistles, we get attacked for this. This is dangerous. And no one, from what I understand, in management was willing to call Mr. Carrick, make him apologize, make him to take it down, and make him understand the implications behind that and the potential uh, backlash that could happen from that. Not just on Twitter, but people can get physical these days. You see that. So, you know, that's when I feel like, well, where are you? Do you really do you really have our backs or we're just doing this as lip service and i know you do i believe you do in my heart because i know that you've done things for me when it was very when i had very uh, personal matters that i had to deal with you were very very supportive and i i thank you for that i will always be grateful for that and i tell people about that those are the things that i i love to to, to champion the, com the company when it comes to a lot of the family matters. When it comes to family, y'all are the best, hands down. But we obviously have problems that we really need to discuss. And we need to feel like you have our backs all the time. Not just inside, on the outside as well. And I feel like, you know, when it, if I, I felt like if that tweet had been uh, towards another uh, person on the weekends that maybe you prefer better for whatever reason, I'm just telling you how I feel. That, that something, some action would have been taken immediately. So anyway, you know, that that um, graphic and that story, it was tone deaf, it's embarrassing, um, and it's hard to explain. And I, I just want to, I do my best to try to elevate the conversation. I, tr I do my best to elevate awareness. Um, and instead of catering to the audience 
I don't dismiss our audience, of course, because it is a business and I understand who I'm speaking to, but I also know there are people out there who are trying to hear something different. They want to know another perspective. And then when I come on, I try to bring them a different perspective from my view in life as a journalist. So I don't lace it with, um, I don't lace it with any sort of personal intentions, but I do have a voice and I use it. And I'm actually proud to bring that voice to Fox. Sometimes, man, it's like a, 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 an uphill battle that just you feel like you just get beat down every time. And so if you don't feel like you have the true um, support from inside the family, and you don't fight and represent the family, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I'm like, no, just please, just come on, give me a chance. Come watch us. It's not what you do. We're not doing this, you know, we're reporting news, we have great coverage. So you, you get the sentiment of my thoughts. I'm not gonna go on. I thank you again for uh, having this forum to allow us to uh, express some of our concerns. Uh, there, there are many more, of course, which again, as Charles said, it doesn't mean that things have not improved tremendously as they have. And it certainly doesn't mean this is a place that we hate, because I feel like if we hated it, we wouldn't be here. It's like when you have a relationship, as long as you're talking, you're still invested. It's when you stop talking, that's when you're like, I'm out the door. You know what I mean? Everybody's been in a relationship like that, and you understand what that, that metaphor means. So thank you. Thanks, thanks again, Suzanne. Thanks, Suzanne. Thank you for um, sharing all of that. Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of activity on social media, people taking, you know, shots at all of our people, as you know. I was told that, you know, one of our senior vice presidents on the weekend did personally call um, Carrick and he took the tweet down right away. So in my mind, management did respond. Um, I'm very sorry that that happened. I mean, even the president tweets horrible things about a wide range of our, you know, social media is a, is a whole, we can have a whole forum on social media um, for all of us and um, how much time we've spent trying to deal with, you know, what goes on there, but um, I do appreciate you calling, you know, all of that out and uh, sharing that with us because, you know, just trying to do better every day for, for each of you. Um, hey, Suzanne. Yeah. Sorry, do you mind if I just jump in? I, I would just sure. like to talk about that graphic and everything that has been said about it is spot on. And, you know, Juan, I think your word empathy is really the overarching, you know, driving force that I think we need to remind all employees of. Um, Brett was very upset, spoke with, spoke with him many times this weekend because again, it was his face out there on it. You know, you go back and you try to do a, an analysis of what happened. Um, you know, people I think can, you know, in a vacuum intellectualize that, oh, this was on Fortune Magazine or this was something that was cited by Dow Jones. Um, when you get these people who are looking this close at a product, sometimes in a widget factory, the missing ingredient in all of that, when I went back and I've talked about it with many people in all of production we've discussed it with is, you have to step back and empathize. You have to look at the times, look at the way it lands on people. Again, you can intellectualize this all you want and think that this is a statistically right, proper, within the script. But you're not stepping back and feeling what people feel or how it will land on people. So I just want you to know, and again, the second I saw that graphic and, you know, and when you see it fly around, you know, social media and all of these places, I mean, it's an immediate impact. And I, I apologize that everyone had to deal with all of that because that is by no intentions what anyone wanted. To, it shouldn't have even been there. And I really think, again, in the heat of the moment, you sometimes have people who are checking boxes not thinking about the humanity of it, just looking at the graphic, looking at the script separately. I remind people, this is a concert, what we do every day. This isn't an individual sport. And the sum of our parts can, you know, all the good things that Fox News Media does can be undone with one stupid graphic that gets on the air or one lower third with a bad question mark. Details matter here. And I think what we do collectively is amazing. And it, it hurt me, I know it hurt Suzanne and, and the rest of us that, so much goodwill and our great coverage that Brian had been doing and all of you have been doing is undone with a horrible graphic that should have never made it into a package. So I assure you that I have that we have all talked about this many times and uh, we'll continue to remind people of 
the compassion that we need to show no matter how they sort of wrap it around in their head. So I just wanted to add that, that we continue to address that. Suzanne? Yep. Uh, add just, yes, I do. I am aware of our senior VP did uh, contact Karen directly, and I greatly appreciate that person tremendously. I just also feel that, um, you know, there's a certain weight that comes from the second floor that doesn't come from any place else. And so sometimes that is a stronger message to someone like Herrick that it's not okay to do that. So that's why I pointed that out. So. Okay, I appreciate, I hear you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to go to next. Um, we all, many of you here are great journalists, but we've had two on the, in the field at the heart of some of these stories. Um, I'd like to start with Kevin Cork, who I'm told is on the call and has been at the heart of things going on in Washington. If you want to give us some feedback um, and what you're thinking about and what's on your mind and what you've been experiencing. Thanks for uh, putting the call together. This is great. Um, I've worked at a lot of great companies, but this is the first time I've actually seen something like this take place. So thanks you all for, for getting this together. I want to echo something that Charles said about making sure that we're not just sensitive, but that we're also putting people in position to sort of tell the proper stories. And when I say proper, I mean not just sort of share their personal stories like we heard with Lauren or with Arthel or even Harris, for example, who has great experience from the Twin Cities, but making sure that we as individuals, we also reach out to the shows and we let the shows know that I have a particular perspective that I think might be valuable. I was uh, really happy um, to do a couple of articles. Thank you guys for letting me do uh, a few articles about our coverage, and I was able to just express it. As someone who grew up in the projects, I understand the fear and the frustration that a lot of people might feel, and that is an empathy that I bring to my coverage. And so. Being able to express that in writing, being able to get that message out, I think was a net positive, or at least I hope was a net positive for the company. Uh, there was one other thing that I thought was really important that somebody mentioned, and that's opportunities. Um, I'm particularly interested in off-ramping um, for people on this call. How do we get people on this call to assist people in management or even move into roles in management later? so that they can bring that breadth of experience to the ranks. Uh, to me, that's important. I think from a long-term perspective, that's something that's actionable. I think that's something we can certainly emphasize. And we may already have that. Maybe I'm just not aware because I'm down here, you know, with the widgets. But I do want to at least float that as another possibility to make sure that things like the graphic doesn't happen because you have people who are also at the decision-making level that can maybe spot something before it happens. But again, these things happen, I get it. I'm first to admit, uh, when you're down, and you just have your head down, you're not necessarily uh, gonna catch everything. But again, thank you for the call. I can tell you from my experience being out there, covering uh, this story for the past week plus, uh, from the church burning uh, at St. John, the fire at St. John's, to marching all across Washington. People have routinely been, I think, uh, pleasantly surprised if I could use that uh, by our coverage. The people I talk to in my own community, people have said to me, wow, you guys have been everywhere. Um, you guys have shown things that other networks didn't show. Like we took the service and we really let it breathe. Uh, I, I just, 504, thank you. Uh, I, know, I know you had a hand in that. Uh, you and Eric, that was great because that's the kind of thing, in my opinion, that really makes a difference to not just broaden our audience, but to remind our audience that we're fair, we're balanced, and to our quote, Brett, we're unafraid. Thanks. Well, thank you, and um, your reporting has been terrific, especially these past couple weeks, so thank you so much. Brian Yenis, I know you're on the call. You're on my current view. Um, hopefully you'll pop up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, uh, a couple of things, uh, I think if there was ever a week to showcase why we need diversity in our newsrooms, this this was the week. Um, I think having Kevin Cork and Harris and Arthel and Lauren and I and, and so many others 
uh, bringing uh, perspective to this story has done nothing but elevate our coverage. Um, and, and I think that should be the reason why we need to continue to figure out how do we bring more people into the fold at this company? Because, you know, I think that we obviously, this coverage has been elevated because of that. I will say what I think we do need is I think we need some moral, moral clarity. I think when something is said that is racist on, on, on our network, we need, we need the company to come out and, and call it what it is. And we need that because we need everybody that's out there doing the job of journalism to be protected. It's, it's a safety thing also, but it's just a, a moral imperative, I think, um, that when something is said that is wrong, that there, that people know that there is accountability at our company, um, and and I don't think we can know. I, I don't think we can afford to continue to be in the gray area when it comes to things about racism. I love the fact that Fox is a place where there are diverse opinions. It's one of the reasons why I say I love working where I work. If you watch Fox, it's a place that challenges you, and that's where I think we should make our money. There. Right? We should we should lean into the fact that it's a place that challenges ideas, but we need to stick to the idea front. How do we solve the issue? I, I don't think that there is a debate about whether racism exists, right? And I, I do think that sometimes when things are said in our network, if there is no accountability held, it makes my job and the job of so many others difficult, and it also can make it dangerous. There are many times out there the last week that I have been unable to tell people where I work, because I do not want them to have any bias towards where, where they think I'm coming from, just from a story perspective, but also I do not want to put my crew at risk from a mob mentality. So I'll say Fox 5, or I'll say Fox generally, but I will not say Fox News Channel. And that is because in some situations, I know that I am not going to be able to get the voice on air that I know needs to get on air to give the proper perspective if I say otherwise. And, you know, it's it's a troubling thing um, to not be able to do that. I think it speaks to the times that we're in. Um, but when there are anchors in the studio, in the safety of their studio, saying things, um, you know, that are abhorrent in some, in, you know, you can have a difference of opinion, but I think there are times in which you cross the line. It makes it so much harder for the rest of us and I think if there is accountability that's swift, not to silence free speech, but to call something what it is, it will, it will help break down the barriers that so many black and brown people feel with why they don't tune into our news coverage because they automatically feel like it's an unsafe place. Um, mm -hmm. And so it, you know, we need to continue to make it feel as though this is a place where your ideas are welcome the, the diversity of thought is welcome, and that we, we welcome, you know, you guys in, into the fold. Um, you know, I've been on Sean Hannity's show uh, many times, and that can be uh, a fine line to walk. You just do your job. But oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll talk to people on the street, and I make it a point to speak to, to people that I think, you know, I can find to really give their, their thoughts, their real just thoughts as to what's going on. And, you know, Sean is going to be what Sean does. Sean has his questions. He has his style. But because I think I, I helped mediate that, I think we, on the ground, were able to, to Sean's credit, have a conversation with people on a primetime network on Sean Hannity's show that would not have happened, I think, had people like Kevin and I and others been on the ground to facilitate that conversation. In other words, you know, I think more empathy allowed millions of people to hear a perspective they would have not have heard otherwise just simply because of the manner and the delivery in which we were able to bring that. And I think that's just the most important thing here. I, I, I love the fact that Fox can be a place where you can have a difference of, um, of opinion on how to solve the problem. But I, but I do think you need to identify what the problem is. And I, and I think sometimes um, some on our network love to, to be in that gray area. And um, I think it's, it's incumbent on, on the second floor and, and on our company to, to create more of a moral clarity here about where we stand as a company. Um, there should be no question at all that working at Fox News does not make you a racist. Um, it does not make you uh, a white supremacist. And it, 
does not make you a traitor to your race. Um, so we need to do more um, to eliminate that. And I think part of that is accountability. Part of that is putting more of us out there. And um, and I think like my last thing here is that, you know, after seven or eight days of, um, of coverage, you know, I woke up Saturday and, um, and I, I cried. And I tried to figure out why I cried. And the reason why I cried was because I felt such a weight of responsibility to get it right based on the network that I work at and the color of my skin. And I just profoundly wanted to make sure that I got it right. And, you know, it's just, I think it's a weight on all of us. Um, so, you know, that, that lives with all of us. We, we feel as though we have to do our jobs twice as well and that we need to try to bring, um, you know, as much unfiltered view as to what is actually going on and let people at home make the decision. But, um, but I think that just speaks to, you know, how hard it can sometimes be. And, and I love this company. It's been 10 years here, and I love every one of you that, that I work with. Um, but I really think that we're strongest when we lean into this place where we create a space where it's about a diversity of ideas and not about pushing something or, or profiting off of being in a place that's not coming from a place of moral clarity on things like racism. Thank you, Brian. Hello. Brian, you've been, a, you've been a star out there. You've been a rock in the whole coverage. And uh, hats off to you for what you're doing, uh, having gone, gone through all the, not only the, the, the professional challenges, but the personal hurdles as well. Hats off to you. Uh, Thanks, I appreciate that. Brian, uh, Brian thank you. And um, since you brought it up, I've been crying too. This is the most upset I've ever been before I go to my place of work. And it's it, it's that exact thing. There's so many emotions. There's so many personal emotions. There's so much you want to share with people. There's so much you want people to understand why this hurts so bad. But you want to do it in the most sensitive way and, of course, the most professional way. And I'm right there with you. I've been crying and crying too, and I've been trying to do everything I can to calm myself down. I have, again, never been this anxious when I go to work. Uh, and it's not nothing to do with being on the air, obviously. It, it has everything to do with wanting to understand um, how, how highly a charge this story is but how very important it is to get it right because we have an opportunity as journalists as bringing our our personal self to the story so people can understand because it is about empathy if you don't see someone as a person and under try to understand their struggles and try to put your um your yourself in their shoes and see it from their eyes then you'll never uh, get it right but but yeah, so that's that's something that I wasn't gonna say. But yeah, this has been really, really hard. And you know what? I want to say this. While I'm I, again, I'm I'm happy that no one has told me. And I can let people know this. They're like, well, do they tell you what to say? Do they tell you? No one tells me what to say. And I want to thank y'all because I have been bringing uh, voices to the to the to our air. And I'm proud of that. I'm also thankful that no one told me. I've never gotten a call directly or otherwise saying, well, you kind of better back off from this, that, or the other thing. You know, I'm not bringing any kind of controversial figures to the table, to the conversation, but I'm bringing voices again that wouldn't otherwise be exposed to our audience. And that's, mm -hmm. again, you know, I want to use, I am using my platform to, you know, and I don't want to just cater to our, our audience, but I want to enlighten our audience. And I come from everything from human perspective. And, and I think, Again, that's very important. So thank you, too, for not, I don't feel like I'm censored. So thank you for that. Thank you, everyone who has expressed thus far. I, I just want to point out that it seems like just in the feedback that we've heard thus far, um, two themes that have emerged, have emerged for me, and that's uh, thoughtfulness and empathy. Uh, thoughtfulness around just this, what we're doing, what we're saying, um, how that translates into our programming with one another and being more empathetic to who we're talking to. Um, we're not, our audience is not monolithic. You know, it is, it's very much diverse. And uh, we want to make sure that in speaking to that audience that we are as diverse in thought as possible. 
so that we don't have images and we don't have, um, we're not saying things that are completely tone deaf to what is going on in the world around us, right? Um, so with that, I just want to, I know Suzanne wants to make sure everyone gets a moment to speak. Um, is there anyone who would like to just share a few thoughts who hasn't already? Um, can you guys hear me? Right. I, I was going to say, Harris, I know you have a show to do soon, so I don't know if yeah, you're going to. Um, uh, yeah, I'll jump in here. Uh, I've been crying, too. Lauren, I'm sorry. And I know how you feel because I know what you mean to that market. In our cell, you said so many things that I don't often express. Was Brett Bear asked to join this call today? We all make mistakes. I have watched that infographic thing air. And Brett Bear come out of that package, and I think he must not have seen it in real time. If we're going to have empathy, we've got to have the knowledge that we see everything on that screen. And those of us in those seats and those moments may not see everything or hear everything, so we depend on people in the control room. And it also means that the people in the control room and the content drivers look like the people on the Zoom. We don't have enough experiences at the table right now for driving our content. Catch what I said. It's not the years of experience. It is the life experiences. We are not diverse enough to drive the content behind the scenes. So, I, you know, it is a business model when Tucker Carlson says diversity doesn't help us win. It is a, biz a business model when we have people on our air as guests or whomever who think that somehow or another it's a political choice to weigh in behind one person or the other in this poll. The president's going to tweet. People are going to tweet. I get that. I know that we can turn off our phones and our Twitter. But what we cannot turn off are the experiences that we have inside Fox. And we have made incredible strides. But you know, Friday wasn't the only mistake. We, we've seen some others. And we are quick to clarify and go forward. But after days of apologizing, I think we've realized that the infographic was something that in the moment, in the moment, needed to be questioned. And there must have been at least five or six people who thought that could be error. I don't want to make my comments all about that. But what I'm saying is for today's discussion, maybe Brett Baer should have been here too. We need each other. All the black people in the world are not going to change anything, no matter how much we fill up the streets. Brian Yenis is a beautiful Hispanic brother. Julie Bandera is a beautiful Hispanic sister. We need all of us together. And we need our white brothers and sisters, too. Suzanne and Jay, it is a blessing and a gift that you have brought our voices together today. Let's bring some of the people along who make it all so difficult for what we do. Pepper Carlson needs to be on this news because he has a job to do and you can't convince me that he doesn't hear some of the same things that we hear. Now, they may not be in a contrarian way. Maybe his viewers would appreciate the dichotomy and the deliciousness and the mix of voices that he has on his air in terms of debate and intensity. But I would like to thank Sean Hannity, who I know well, I don't know Tucker as well, would want to be part of the discussion that's titled Inclusion after the two weeks that we have had. You know, building diversity behind the scenes takes a lot. And Arcel spoke to, and, and I, you know, I, I heard a little bit of it from Brian just saying, well, I don't always tell people where I work. Um, I tell everybody where I work. I'm proud of it. I'm also proud that in these moments when we need to step up and lean in, 
that we lock arms together and it can't just be those of us who are brown. It's got to be everybody. And I'm not saying censor people or get them to not say what's on their mind, but when you hear Arthel and others express, yeah, I don't want to tell anybody really where I work because I don't want to get into that. You know, I don't want to hear that that pushback about how they think we aren't all we could be or what, whatever they're saying. In my case, it's usually not that benign. But what I challenge our team to do is to have more people at the table who can express in those moments. Like, I'm curious to know, what was Brett thinking when he saw that infographic? And he did just automatically, thank you, Susan Lee in New York. I, I pulled up the transcript because I didn't get to see it live. And I tend to take things in better when I can read it rather than letting the visuals cloud my vision because, you know, I'm, I'm adoring the people on the screen. They're my coworkers. Let me just read what he said. And when you read it forensically, it's like it never happened. And you go right on to that next thing. I've been in that place. I know what that feels like. My gosh, when, the, when that idiot spit out the name of the whistleblower that we all agreed that we weren't going to say a box, he also took down LGBT community and, and went after pronouns. That was the one I clearly heard. And I went on the attack. I wish I could have heard them both. We're not perfect. But within moments of that, you have another show after that. Brett Bear is one of our, our top people. Get him on Martha's show. My God, it's 701. Get him up. It's not about who put, put the graphic and the blame. And all. You, can, you can do the investigation later. But fix it as fast as you can. Those are my thoughts. I, I also want to share the thought as we get ready to leave the coverage of George Floyd's funeral. This is George's moment. But it's our moment too, mm. as Americans. Are we going to lean in or just watch with the sound down? We need everybody. Everybody. So, for me personally, I plan after this day to pick up the phone and call a couple people. And I do everybody's show who asks. But I remind them that in this moment, some folks need to hear from them. Tucker's a leader. He leads the team. I'm going to encourage him to pick up the phone today. I adore Brett Bear. As you don't know, He's got a big, big heart, and in that moment, he either didn't see or what. But what happened in the last week? Why haven't people heard from him? It hasn't quite been a week. I encourage him to pick up the phone, and I know he's done it before. The young Muslim woman on his staff who was harmed with another bout. I believe that was Judge Pirro. I can't even recall. He came to her side. We have hearts among us. Let's remind them to engage them. That's harsh. I don't care. Not today. I love everybody on this call. I gotta jump off and go to work. Jana, I'll see you on the air. See you on the air, guys. Hi, babes. Jamie, you wanna respond at all to that? She's right. I mean, you know, and I, you know, I, I think this is a, a moment where we do need to. I mean, this is we're doing this call, and, and we're kind of in a way, you know, breaking it apart when we really need to bring together everyone, right? I mean, Harris's point is, is spot on, and and the greatness of this network is that we do have all voices on it. And I agree with Brian. There has to be a moment where, you know, what is that line? And we need to acknowledge that. Um, you know, it can't just be like. We're gonna we're gonna discuss it in a in a vacuum today here. I mean, Brett should be here. Harris is spot on, and there should be others here. And I think that's that's our challenge, right? I mean, I think that's something you know Suzanne, you and I should talk about, and others, and Kevin. And how do we do that? And you know, I, I realize emotions are raw right now. The country is going through 
so many different things. I mean, we've, you know, got a triple play of, of, uh, of tragedy and soul searching and newsrooms are going through soul searching. And, and this is a moment, you know, there will be books and books and volumes written about 2020 and what happens. And you, you know, put it with this president and all of it and the tweeting. And so I truly believe this is a moment we do need to really think about how we want to rise to the occasion. But I do think we have the right people, and I know Brett and others would love to take part in that. And, and I, I take that on myself, and I think that's on us. And, and how do we facilitate that? Thanks, Jay. Um, I'd love to hear if you're willing to contribute to some of the non-on-air people on this. I, I wanted to say something. If you guys can hear me. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Queenette. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, so. Of course, everyone who's spoken already has absolutely been spot on. It's been a nightmarish couple of weeks, you know, from the, the Amy Cooper, the Breonna Taylor, the, you know, George Floyd, the uh, Ahmaud Aubrey. I mean, we've seen it right before our eyes, compounded by a, a pandemic. Um, and then, you know, the graphic on Friday essentially floored me um, because I just could not understand the intention of it, um, you know, it could be interpreted in so many different ways, and yet I couldn't find any way that made sense or, or really added to that conversation. It felt like we were fishing for an upside or a bright side to a story that is so painful, and I kept thinking to myself, well, is it about the market during times of just unrest in general? Could it have been framed that way? But really, I thought about the breakdown editorially, um, as Harris said, that went on behind the scenes where no one thought about how insensitive it might have been to put a graphic like that up. And I wondered what we could do as an organization going forward, as you know, I'm a producer here. Um, what is the procedure or protocol or what could we do to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again, doesn't go up on air again? Um, you know, I don't know how you make people more sensitive to things like that in the future. But, you know, in the, in the larger scheme of things, Coming into work every day, it's been painful, or rather it's been an aching, you know, because it sticks with you throughout the day, these things, you know, it, it keeps you up at night, it's on your mind in the morning, the things that are happening in the world, especially with people of color, um, and especially as, as a mother like myself, you're thinking about the world that we're building for our children. Um, coming to work every day with that pain that confusion, that aching, that outrage, and having to, you know, sort of put that behind you, put it on your back, um, and just be professional and coming to work and smile um, has been really, really, really difficult. And I have a, a really fantastic EP, and I've talked to her about just sort of how I was feeling and how difficult it's been. But I mean, I almost felt like there were days that I had to go into the bathroom and cry and people were texting me and they were going what's wrong and are you okay and i was like i'm not okay um you know and I, I want to explain to people why i'm not okay and i want to get people support i want to know that we that there's solidarity here that we're together in our outrage and we understand that police brutality is not a myth that it really happens and then the first step is just acknowledging that and so when you watch in the network sometimes and people are saying this has nothing to do with race this is um this is a fluke i think george floyd knew him from the club and this was a, a direct hit that hurts it's like saying that you don't see me that my experiences are not valid that it's all in my head um and to to go home and you sit with your family and these things are weighing on you but you have to just keep going you cook dinner and you clean and you uh watch Netflix and then you wake up in the morning, you come back to the same place and you walk over the threshold where you're going, are these people seeing me? Do they understand that this week have been, has been so trying for me um, that it's been a, a mental obstacle course for mm -hmm. me just to get through to the six o'clock hour? Um, I'm not sure what the company could do. I don't know if these are conversations that have to happen with the show teams um, in addition to it being a broader conversation, but mentally, um, you know, just wanting to be assured that the company, that your show team, that your superiors, that your colleagues are behind you and they understand you, um, you know, I think would help change, change the tide a little bit. 
Um, and then again, as, as Harris brought up, that breakdown that happened editorially with the uh, with the graphic, uh, it may be that we need obviously more faces of color uh, behind the scenes, producers and associate producers. Um, but you know that is a process, and something has to be said. Um, of course, I know that you guys already talked to the show team, but um, there has to be a larger conversation about handling things like this because I just I, I cannot wrap my head around how something like that can go up at a time like this. Um, you know, that that's just a little bit of how, how I've been feeling. All these moments, just the other day, even I thought about this, and, and Harris again hit it spot on. I think the decision makers need to have wider experiences. I was watching CBS Sunday morning the other day, and they had a conversation between uh, Maurice Dubois and Mark Whitaker, who used to be with Newsweek. And... You know, they're walking down the street, I believe they're walking through Central Park, and they had this moment where they're, you know, talking about their children, their boys, and I have two boys. And they were talking about how every African-American man needs to have the talk with their, with their, with their boys, especially. And, and for what I, it just landed on me, because that is an experience that they were, they were having this great conversation, you know, and I've seen Maurice, his son has played basketball with my son, and it was just a, one of those moments where, and I actually thought about Juan, because I know Juan has talked about this in the past as well. We, we need to have more of those people with those experiences just interdispersed in all of this. Because we all bring different experiences with the way we were raised, the way we're raising kids, the way we see life. Um, and I, I think Harris is spot on. Those people who are seeing those graphics, who are producing those shows, we need more than just, you know, we can do better. And I think that's our challenge. If I'm just to piggyback on that, as, as the company is working on that, I want to get back to the original thing I said, though. The people who are doing making those decisions now need to be better educated. On Monday, uh, my show, my guest list, were all, I had like four or five people that love Stop and Frisk, that, you know, that don't see anything wrong with it. And I was with it. I said, guys, we want to have an empathetic show today. And, you know, so as, as the company makes a commitment and we get more diversity because we need a heck of a lot more, there still needs to be some serious who's running these shows now about, about this kind of stuff. You know, I'm so sick of my show not being me. And, you know, every day the guest list is not what I want. But Monday was the worst. Monday I had four or five people, all advocates of Stop and Frisk, and I've been on both networks saying exactly how I feel about that as a racist policy. And they were still going to be my guests on the day when we had the show. I mean, of all days, you know, when all the memorials going on. And, and it's, it's, you know, again, it, it just to emphasize that, yeah, if there's a process and we're going to make the place more diversified, I say hallelujah. But until then, everyone should be a little, a lot more accountable for the decision making. Uh, that that goes on because it's it's just not good and it's not helpful. So I'm sorry. I'll sorry, Selena. I think I stepped on you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so if I may, Suzanne, Jay, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this call. It's been very powerful. And I also want to thank y'all for giving me space to give my opinion on air. Uh, 